Before we get started on the show, a couple of quick programming notes. Sign up for our In the Money Players newsletter. This is going to be one of the ways you can get notified about everything going on here at the In the Money Media Network, including our live show Thursday night. 7.30 is going to be the time. Rescheduled. I might have said 7 on another show. We're now going to be 7.30. I know we've got Naomi Tucker. We're, we're putting the rest of the show together. We're going to be streaming live on YouTube, archived in all the usual places. But uh, we'll send out a link via the newsletter where you'll have that. I'm sure we'll promote it on social media as well. That's one of the things we're excited about this week. Wednesday night, if you happen to be in Baltimore, have a chance to join us at the Mount Washington Tavern for the ABR pre-Preakness Party. I'm going to put a link uh, for where you buy tickets. 25 bucks. going to be a ton of fun. Lots of uh, cool racing people there, 7 p.m. I went to the one a few years ago, and it was really great. So looking forward to that as well. Again, to get all the information, sign up for the free in the Money Players newsletter. And then we've also got a bunch of cool stuff on In the Money Plus this week, additional content, etc. to sign up for that in the moneypodcast.com slash plus and the free email in the moneypodcast.com slash email. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. This is a Preakness Week special covering a topic that has been very much in the news lately, and it has to do with the Triple Crown Series. Is it best as it currently is? Three races in five weeks, et cetera, et cetera. Or might we be better off extending the series, making a little bit of a nod to the way that modern horsemen look at the world? Is there magic to the five weeks? That's the question we're going to be delving into in three interviews starting off with Jonathan Kinchin, then we have Randy Moss here, and we'll wrap things up with Stephen Christ. Really looking forward to these conversations, and I think you will too, and we'll be back right after this. In the Money Media are also very happy to be partnering with Lone Star. A few things I want to highlight about this Lone Star meet. A couple of player-friendly wagers daily. A player's pick five, 12% takeout, 75% of that gets paid to the five of fives, uh, or carried over, and 25% daily consolation. Cool way of doing this, uh, and a chance to get paid with four out of five while still having a chance for carryover. Love that. The Lone Star six-shooter, very similar specs. 12% takeout, uh, and once again, you can have a carryover. You're also going to get a conso for five out of six. Also, $50,000 guaranteed late pick four every Sunday, and then two days to pay attention to with opportunities to win NHC seats added to the prize pool. Some of the best ways to get NHC seats all year are at Lone Star. One day you want to pay attention to Lone Star Million Day. That's Monday, May 30th. Six stakes worth $1.2 million and an NHC tournament with one in 10 odds. $2,500 buy-in, and that's all bankroll. The prizes are added to it. You can qualify now on horsetourneys.com. Also, save the date, Saturday, July 16th. Summer Turf Festival. Four stakes totaling 750 k all on turf, and the tournament with a $1,000 buy-in and seats added. To learn more, go to LoneStarPark.com. Next up on the show, do we something a little bit different here? We're kind of framing a debate that we're then going to have listeners on our YouTube comments chime in and let us know what they think, because I really do want to hear from the public about this one, because it's a complicated question about the Triple Crown series and whether or not it's good as it is, or whether it's something that needs to be altered and change with the times. Just to give you a little bit of background on this, this is a subject on which, geez, I don't even know how long ago it was, 12 years ago or so? We could look this up, actually. I wrote an article in the New York Times saying, I believe there was no magic to the five weeks and that racing would be better off spacing out the series to say, I don't know, eight weeks, where it's first Saturday in May, first Saturday in June, first Saturday in July. Still get the thing wrapped ahead of the summer meets, but, uh, you know, adapted a little bit to the modern training style. And I remember after that article came out, having a conversation with one of the guests we're going to have a little bit later on the show, uh, where my opinion about this started to uh, evolve somewhat. But anyway, um, we have three people going to come in and talk to this. The first one, the usual co-host of this program, he is from, I'm going to get this name right at some point. It's the Red House. It's uh, the Casa Rojo. It's Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, buddy? Oh, 
Stuck on mute. Why, why would we not be stuck on mute? Um, everything's good. Everything's good. Uh, looking forward to uh, a fun Preakness week and uh, a little conversation about uh, said Preakness. Well, let's start with the, the key question. Is the Triple Crown Series fine the way it is? Yeah, no, I think it is. Um, you know, you and I both agree with this. There's no phrase I hate more in anything than, well, that's just how we've done it, right? right. That's the most ridiculous phrase, and it holds us back from so many things and growth and change and things like that. Now, on the other side of the coin, I, I don't necessarily think that applies to the Preakness. Um this is going to sound harsh, and, and especially for, for folks that might not know us or me or, 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 or are new to the game. But I will lose zero sleep about a no-shotter like Rich Strike running, not running in the previous. When it's, when it's problematic for me is when we start seeing talented racehorses that are potential Triple Crown winners skipping the Preakness. Then when that starts happening, let's have a conversation. But it doesn't happen with good horses. You know, I, I, I'm not a historian of the game, right? We'd have to hop on with Nick Tamaro or something. But it's like since the 90s that a good horse made the chant, the cha- the decision to skip the race. It, it doesn't happen. So we're get, when we have the horses that we need to have in the Preakness, they show up. This just happens to be an outlier, just like his, his win um, in the Derby. And just turn the page. I, Let's not change something that has brought so much excitement, right? The, 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 the fact that there's only been 13 of them and there was 11 before there was 13, that big 37-year gap of people hoping that California Chrome could do it, hoping uh, that, that, uh, that, you know, Silver Charm could do it. And when it didn't happen, that disappointment made those three races so much more special. And even a horse like Animal Kingdom, who won the Derby, ran well in the Preakness, ran well in the Belmont, that agony of defeat is what keeps us coming back, what keeps that moment, those five weeks, so sacred and so special. Uh, I have no interest in changing it. It's interesting. And as you're talking, other thoughts occur to me along the same lines. I mean, when you look back at that list during the 37-year drought of horses that could have won it, Point given easily could have a fleet. Alex could have. I mean, they won the theoretically harder two races with the with, with the efforts in uh, that they were ones who were both, I think, victims of that fast pace of the Derby, and then but then came back and won the two other races in five weeks with no particular obligation to run. Has the game changed that much in the intervening? 20 years i mean it was a long it is a long time when i say that out loud it's, i guess it's only 15 years with the fleet alex but yeah my inclination is is sort of right back to that point that the stephen christ made to me all those years ago which is this is one of the things in the game that works i'm really curious randy moss who we will have on here at some point really feels very strongly that it's time for it to evolve i want to i want to hear the case i'm open-minded i want to listen i felt that way at some point but the other question I have, two more uh, veins to, to tap a, a, along these lines of conversation. One is, let's say you did spread it out. Um, I think that if you were to spread it out the way that I described of having first Saturdays in the three months, so you're really only, you're not spreading it out really that much. I mean, it's three key weeks, but you're still, you're not like putting it, um, you know, months in between races or six weeks between races. To me, there's no doubt that if you put a lot of time between the races, it actually becomes harder to win because it's hard to keep a horse sharp for that long. Um, yeah. Do you yeah. agree with that? Yeah, not only do I think it's harder, and I don't think it's, I don't think, I don't think it's, not only is it harder, and not only is it harder to keep them sharp, it's also harder to keep, I think, a lot of them healthy. Because think about this. In the five-week span between the Derby and the Belmont, let's say we're dealing with a pool of about 30 horses. Now, those horses are going to gallop every day. They're going to probably breeze two to three times in that time period. So that's, you know, let's call it – I'm just throwing out a number for the sake of this conversation. Let's call it that's 15 opportunities for them to get hurt, right? 15 opportunities for them to get hurt. Now, if you spread it out over a nine-week, ten-week situation, now we're looking at – you know, 25 opportunities, 30 opportunities for them to get hurt in the morning and you'll start to lose horses. And, and I, I just, 
I like it the way it works. It's not like I'm saying that all all races, all big races need to have two-week gaps and then a three-week gap right after that. That's why this situation is special. So let's just keep this situation special. And, and I have no problem putting bigger spacing between – if you want to move prep races for the Breeders' Cup up six weeks instead of five weeks and four weeks, could care less, more power to you, let's do it. Better for the horsemen, better for the horses, all good. But let's just keep this one little situation where – it's special, it, you know, and you're a, you're a baseball fan, Pete, I lean more towards the football arena. And I'm trying to think of an analogy of an analogy of something that's only happened 13 times in the history of football, 13 times in the history of baseball in a rule that would prevent that from ever happening again in a way that it happened the 13 times before makes me a little bit sad. I, I want that special moment. I remember the morning. I didn't like the horse that much. I mean, I like the horse. I, didn't, I just wasn't in love with the horse. But I'll have another scratch the morning or the day before the Belmont. How disappointed I was that I was going to be cheated on that opportunity to see it, to, to see them get in the gate. That, 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 that disappointment I felt when Big Brown didn't win and, and how frustrating it was. The frustration it was at the end of the Triple Crown when a fleet Alex, when you said if he only would have got a better trip in the Derby, he would have won the Triple Crown. And I liked I've said this before, and I feel the same way about when Rich Strike won. It's the agony of defeat and the, 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 the highs of the wins. It's the gap in between those two emotions that makes this sport so special. And I feel like changing the triple crown, making it easier, is going to take away from, from that emotional gap because there's going to be more of them. I, I feel like there will be more of them. Um, if you did it, you're saying if you did it my way, you think – you agreed that having a lot of time between would make it harder, but my way, my sort of half measure for Saturday in I, May, June, July, you think that would, that, that would create more, more triple crown winners. I think both situations, you know, spreading it out or leaving it like it is have obstacles, right? Keeping it the way it is with a two week and then a three week gap, two weeks between Preakness, three weeks between Belmont. To me, that is a challenge to me. That is a challenge to keep a horse in top form. It takes a horseman to understand what to do, what not to do, when something's needed, when something's not needed. I like that aspect. That is a challenge. I'm also of the belief that spreading it apart is a challenge as well to keep them, like we mentioned, to keep them sound, to keep them fit, to keep them in that top form. The problem is, is that when it's spaced out like that, to me, that's less I don't know the best word. That's less sexy when we're talking about those 13 triple crown winners than the other problem of it being too tight. So if I'm going to get a problem, I'm going to get something that make it more difficult. Let's make it like a, like a sexier difficulty of winning three big races in five weeks rather than, Oh, we, the difficulty of staying sound for five weeks. That's not very, you know, you're not going to see a, a, you're not going to see a sports illustrated cover that says sound for 12 weeks, triple (laughs) crown champion, you know, but you will see, um, three triumphs, five weeks, three states. That to me is 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 more headline worthy. If you're if you're going to try to create a situation where horses and horsemen have to overcome something, if that makes sense. It does. It does. I, I take your point very much. So we've got about five minutes left, and I got two two more things I want to talk to you about. Let's talk specifically about Rich Strike. Now, your cynicism about the horse in this form is, has been well noted and more or less shared by me in some of the things I've written and, and said on the air. But let's talk about this specific situation. Um, do you, you know, Nick Tamaro argued something I thought was interesting. He, he felt like the connections... You know, assuming the horse was sound, all of this is anything we're saying about this obviously assumes that the horse is in good physical condition. Nobody wants to see a horse run who's not ready to run. When you talk about I'll have another, we're disappointed as fans. Obviously, we understand the horse is hurt. The horse shouldn't run. But assuming the horse is capable of running, do they owe it to the sport to have at least given this a go? What's your what's your opinion on that? Should they have tried this horse back in the Preakness? I'm I'm weird with you owe the sport this, you know, I. You know, we're all, you know, it's one of those deals where like when, when guys don't show up to camp and they hold out, it's like, well, you owe it to your team and to the fans. Well, not really. You know what I mean? Like you don't really owe anyone anything outside of your family. And, you know, you know, I don't, I just don't really subscribe to that. Um, but I will say, you know, Eric Reed has run 
I think in the last five years, 65 horses back on two weeks rest. So it's not as if it's something he won't do. It's not like it's against his, his, his training religion to run horses back quickly. And if you have a, and, and Todd Pletcher doesn't do it, but when he has a horse that wins the Derby, they run back in the Preakness. Chad Brown doesn't do it, but if I can assume, I can, I can assure you that he has a horse that wins the Derby, the horse is going to come back. And Bob Baffert's not cutting a line to run horses back in two weeks either, but you do it in the Preakness because it's an opportunity at immortality. It's an opportunity at doing something special. And it's something that as a, as a trainer and an owner, you probably get into this game hoping one day you'll be lucky enough to have a chance at the greatest accomplishment in racing, which is the triple crown. So I don't know if he owes it, maybe he owes it to himself, but not necessarily to the public. But my point is, is that, and where my brain is on it, is there's a lot of behind the scenes things that could be taking place. One could be not that the horse is injured. If the horse is injured, he wouldn't be working. He seems to be galloping fine from, a, from the accounts of other folks. But there might just be something about the horse. I mean, the horse did end up, he was in for a tag for 30 right? So you don't put a, a future derby winner in for 30. There, there clearly has to be some potential ongoing issues. Maybe he's got feet. Maybe he's got a, an old injury. They're scared to, to uh, rile up a little bit. There's a lot of different things that be going on. The other thing is, in my opinion, is there could be some obscure stallion deal or some obscure human that wants to buy into the horse. And if he runs poorly in the Preakness, that value goes down significantly. I just feel like there's more to the story than, you know, we're going to skip the Preakness because that's what's best for the horse. I, and maybe I'm wrong. That's just what it feels like. And, you know, and it, I actually saw a funny tweet today that reminded me of this, but like, it reminds me of that whole Larry Best thing with OXO uh, when they had that good two-year-old and they said, oh, we're going to Instagram, Instagram, we're going to skip the Breeders' Cup because that's what's best Breeders' Cup that's what's best for the horse. Hmm. Okay. But it turns out that it feels like it was more than that. No right. Doubt. And so that's my, I think a lot of my eye rolling when it comes to this topic of rich strike is the idea that like that, that this decision is being made solely for what's best for the horse. And maybe that is the case. And if it is kudos to them, it feels like it's more than that. So that's, that's why I find myself agitated by it to a certain extent. I did ask one industry insider what he thought the horse's future as a stallion was if he retired today. And he said, amusing the heck out of me, he would stand at the Kentucky horse park. In other words, he doesn't have value as of right now, necessarily. And uh, now he backpedaled a little bit after he said that, but, but I, I, I did take, I did take some meaning in that. He certainly seems like a horse that could only improve his value with some more, uh, with some more and victories and, it, and, and the joke for those who don't get it he'd be a tourist attraction not a serious um you know uh a prospect in the in the stallion arena right yeah and, and it's like look and i don't want to be you know look the horse has done nothing wrong right i just don't i am not going to lose an ounce of sleep outside of the fact that epicenter's price is going to be lower than it than it than it could be if he was in the race that's the only frustrations i have as it pertains to the situation i just don't i i don't think that racing needed him just like the, the whole, the whole narrative that racing needed a triple crown to be saved. I, you know, I might've probably bought into that one a little bit more that maybe thinking that you can just, you know, generate all this excitement and pop and, 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 and positive publicity and all of these things. But I, I don't necessarily think that rich strike running in the Preakness is, is going to help the game in any way. If this was epicenter who would have won and skipped it problematic for the game zandon would have won it skipped it problematic for the game but a, but a horse like this who's 80 to one who got a perfect setup on the day and is very unlikely to get that same setup and to win the preakness in two weeks i, I just i'm not i don't i don't I, i'm not worried about him not being there jk we are out of time gonna let you get on with your day and me get on with mine but thank you for uh, coming on early with us this morning no problem see you guys soon next up on the show returning guest very popular did an excellent job on the monster pod though we were wrong as far as our conclusion in the oaks about the arkansas derby form proved to look a little bit better when it came to the derby but we're on to new business now he is from nbc sports amongst many other places he is randy moss randy how are things hi pete things are well how are you 
I'm doing great, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We're doing this a little bit differently, just so you know the rules of the game here, Randy. I wasn't able to coordinate schedules to get people on to have like a proper debate about this topic. So instead, what we're doing is having three little snapshot interviews. We had JK on before. We're going to have Stephen Christ on a little bit later. I, I'm pretty sure Stephen Christ's view is going to be more similar to what we heard from JK about, I mean, more or less having, you know, having good reasons, but liking the Triple Crown series the way that it is, you have a very compelling argument to say that it might be time for the game to evolve and, and change. Am I, am I reading that correctly from what I've seen on your Twitter? Pete, it, to me, it's incomprehensible that people that have been around racing for a while don't jump on this issue because it, it's such a slam dunk. But I mean, not everybody feels that way. Some people are so beholden to tradition or New York that uh, they refuse to see, basically, in my opinion, their hand in front of their face. What do you think is the problem with the current setup? And then we'll get to your proposed solutions. The problem, Pete, with the current setup is that horsemen are now extremely reluctant to run horses back in two weeks. They believe it is counterproductive to the best interests of their horse. They may be right. It may be a horse safety issue. I don't know. But the bottom line is that the Preakness is being victimized by this reluctance to run back that quickly. The Preakness is becoming a weak link in the Triple Crown. When horses run in the Derby, run well in the Derby, then choose to skip the Preakness or their connections choose to skip the Preakness because of the two-week gap to wait on the Belmont, it's not good for the Triple Crown. It's not good for the Preakness. And therefore, it's not good for the sport. Right. I mean, do you think that the trainer of an owner of Rich Strike or, you know, Todd Pletcher, for example, do you think they have a vendetta against the Preakness? No. Do you think they are anti-tradition? No. The reason why Rich Strike is skipping the Preakness is because they do not like the two-week gap. The reason why Todd Pletcher skips the Preakness almost every year to wait for the Belmont is because he does not like the two-week gap. The reason Zandon is not running back in the Preakness to run against Epicenter is because Chad Brown does not like the two-week gap. There is no reason on earth not to recognize this, strengthen the Triple Crown, do what's best for the sport, and space the races more so that we get three compelling races in the Triple Crown, which is what it was intended to be to begin with, instead of two or two and a half. Sometimes we get lucky, and the also-rans in the Preakness, the best also-ran, or the Derby, come back and run in the Preakness. Usually there are circumstances involved there, like good magic when he ran against Justify, was not bred to go a mile and a half in the Belmont. So they weren't even thinking Belmont. They came back in the two weeks, even though they didn't like it. But Pete, it, it's a slam dunk. I, I don't get it. I see what you're saying. Jonathan was looking at it much more from the lens of the winner. And he made the point that he'd be a lot more upset if Epicenter, a horse that in his view had a serious chance to win the Triple Crown, had won the Derby and opted to skip the Preakness. And he went back historically and talked about how, you know, the relevant Derby winners going back a very long time have all chosen to run in the Preakness except for Rich Strike. But that way of looking at it, to your point, I get the idea that it's, it's not necessarily meant to just be a gauntlet for one horse. It's meant to be a compelling series of, of races. Is that part of your argument here? That's, it. That's exactly the argument, Pete. I mean, the Triple Crown was designed, it wasn't designed, it just basically fell into place that way, as the ultimate test for three-year-olds to beat the best of your generation in three consecutive races, ending with the test of the champion at a mile and a half in the Belmont Stakes. The gaps between the races were immaterial, really. Uh, from 1959 or 49 until 1959, okay? That's an 11-year span. The gap between either the Derby and the Preakness or the Preakness and the Belmont the preceding year was changed nine times. Nine times in 11 years. 
it really didn't, I mean, Triple Crown winners, Whirlaway, Assault, Count Fleet, Citation. They didn't win the Triple Crown with the two-week, three-week gap we have now. It was a one-week, four-week gap during those Triple Crowns. And usually, like, for example, Citation ran in the Jersey Stakes between the Preakness and the Belmont. Uh, we, we had one horse, one Kentucky Derby horse, that ran in the Derby, had a race between the Derby and the Preakness, then a race between the Preakness and the Belmont. I mean, it, it was not – back then, coming back in one week was no big deal. Coming back in two weeks was certainly no big deal. I mean, as recently as the late 1960s and early 70s, the famous uh, handicapping author Tom Ainsley was saying in one of his handicapping books I have on my shelf over here, that horse players, when you're talking about good horses, allowance stakes level horses – should focus on horses running back in one week or two weeks because they are much more consistent than horses running back in three weeks or four weeks. My God, how much has that changed? You can't even, you can't even find a horse running back in one week on an, an entire card most of the time now in thoroughbred racing. So look, this, I also went back during those years in which the spacing was changed. And I did a search on newspapers.com. Right. It was never even mentioned. It, it, it was never part of the equation. The challenge was beating the best of your generation three races in a row. And when the best of your generation doesn't come back in one of those races consistently, you got a problem. And it, and it needs to be changed. And it's not brain surgery. And it, and it doesn't mean you're cheapening the Triple Crown. You're actually making it stronger. And perhaps harder. Is that fair, too? I think it would make it harder. Some, some like, for example, my good friend, Mike Watchmaker, before American Pharaoh swept the Triple Crown in 2015, I've been doing, I've been preaching this for a long time. <laughs> and he, and he was saying that uh, you just want to make it easier to, for a horse to sweep the Triple Crown. No, that's not the point. First of all, it wouldn't make it easier for a horse to, to sweep the Triple because the Preakness would be tougher. Uh, and then when American Pharaoh won it, he said, well, I hope this puts an end to, to all this talk about, you know, making the Triple Crown easier by spacing it out. For crying out loud, that's not the issue at all. First Saturday in May, Memorial Day weekend, Fourth of July weekend. OK, it would end this silly crap about horses running in the Derby, skipping the Preakness, running back in the Derby. You think they wait nine weeks between the Derby and the Belmont? No. <laughs> they would be much more likely then to come back in the Preakness. Suppose this year. Suppose Rich Strike. I know I'm on my soapbox here. I'm sorry. Oh, I love it. Your passion, your enthusiasm, and your, your, your points are all welcome around here. Suppose Rich Strike had never drawn in the also eligibles, okay? And, and we get this fantastic duel coming down to the wire between Epicenter and Zandon, and Epicenter holds on to win. The budding of a great rivalry, right? Wrong. <laughs> Zandon skips the Preakness. So we get Epicenter at four to five, which is about what he's going to be anyway, four to five or even money in the Preakness. And the sport is robbed. The Triple Crown is robbed of what could be a compelling matchup. If if you went, if, if, the, uh, if the attitude of horsemen today, okay, had been in place 40 years ago, 50 years ago. There's a, not just a possibility, I'd say there's a probability we wouldn't have had affirmed in Aladar in the Preakness. John Veach would have skipped the Preakness to wait for the Belmont under current modern day attitudes. You wouldn't have Ali Sheba bet twice in the Preakness, one of the great rivalries. The Phipps family, Shook McGahee with their ties to New York, you probably wouldn't have had that fantastic Sunday Silence easygoer matchup in 1989. Think, think of all the compelling Preakness matchups that strengthen the Triple Crown and are great for fans that you would not have had. And just as, a, as in there's the horse safety issue, which is something different, but then as an ancillary benefit, Pete, the undercard races on Pimlico weekend are are greatly suffering right now. They are really diminished because Keeneland is so strong, okay? That's kind of hurting the undercard at Churchill Downs, but still it's strong. But nobody wants to run back in two weeks from those great undercard races at Churchill Downs and come back at Pimlico. The entire program at Pimlico 
would be strengthened. Now, what what are the reasons people are against this? Okay, now I know the Preakness people want to change it. They want to change the two-week gap. They've been on record as saying so, Tom Chukas. Now, why is it not changed? Okay, you know, I don't know for a fact, but you got to suspect there has been some conversation between the Maryland Jockey Club and the New York Racing Association. It has not changed. The, the logical conclusion is that it has not changed for one of two reasons. Number one, it helps the Belmont Stakes, theoretically, because so many horses go from the Derby straight to the Belmont. Okay, If it were spaced, would the Belmont suffer that much? I don't think so. But it definitely does not harm the Belmont Stakes or the New York Racing Association. Second reason in my opinion, uh, there's no love lost between Churchill Downs Incorporated, First Racing, the Stronic Group, and the New York Racing Association. They don't necessarily play nicely with each other. And so to move the Belmont Stakes to go along with changing the spacing of the Triple Crown, I, I suspect Naira might be thinking, why would we help the Stronic Group, First Racing, and maybe not necessarily help the New York Racing Association. I, I hope I'm wrong about that. I would like to think that Naira would recognize that there are situations where you need to put the best interest of the sport ahead of maybe, you know, a, 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 a small difference in the horses you might draw for your Belmont Stakes. I would like to think that that would be the, the prevailing um, thought, uh, but I don't know. I don't know. There is certainly a rising tide lifts all ships argument. Yes. That would supersede any potential half a lost starter per stake race or whatever it would, whatever it would end up being. But we are in a game and, and, you know, obviously all three of those organizations you mentioned, they're all partners of ours over here. Like I'm not meaning to impugn anyone in particular, but as a culture and a sport, we do sometimes have more of a let's fight over our pieces of the pie and yes. nobody's working to make the pie bigger. So th there could be a an endemic cultural problem to the sport that is, that is holding things back. I'm, this has been a, just a tremendous, tremendous uh, argument on this side. I didn't, I I'm like the worst on this point. I just, I, I seesaw back and forth, but I think that the way that you're framing it as what's in the best interest of, not not just think of it in terms of the winner, but think right. of it in terms of what the, what the series could be. One last question, and I'll let you go. From a broadcasting point of view, do you think are there any are there any un, always want to look out for minefields in situations like this? Is there any uh, reason that it could create a broadcasting challenge in terms of presenting the, the the Triple Crown series the way you're envisioning it to the world? How easy or difficult? would it be to sort of retrain the, the, the racing audience? None. It would be, it would be no factor whatsoever. Broad, broadcast would not be, as a matter of fact, it would be easier for broadcast because you wouldn't have such a rush between the Derby and the Preakness to get everything, you know, finalized and get everything set up and all that. Um, it would be better for broadcast TV because the Preakness would be much more compelling and you would have better horses running against each other in all three races. The primary argument that I hear against it, Pete, is people saying, look, the Triple Crown is the best thing that Thoroughbred Racing has going for it. You know, why mess with a good product? Okay. The counter argument to that, Pete, is that you're strengthening the product. You, that's why you have to take care of the product. When you, when you see an issue developing, and, and it's clearly there, to the sports marquee property, you fix it. You fix it, especially if it's an easy fix to make the Triple Crown stronger. That's why you have to take care of the Triple Crown and make it as good as possible and keep it the best three-year-olds of their generation running against each other in all three races. It's great stuff, Randy. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we'll have, we're going to have the listeners and the their comments on YouTube and let us know what you think. I, I mean, I'm, I'm finding Randy's argument very compelling, I have to say. 
course, uh, we'll see. Stephen Christ has turned me around on this point before. I wrote an article. I was telling the, the viewers this before, Randy. 15 years ago, I wrote a piece in the New York Times advocating stretching out the series and had sort of weakened off that position from subsequent uh, conversations with Stephen Christ and others with that idea of this is something that works in racing. But I do think you make a compelling case that, yeah, it works. It could work better. Let's see what the listeners and viewers think. And uh, can't wait to watch you this weekend. Do you do you know when you guys are broadcasting yet, or is it too early in the in the week to have that info? Uh, I know on Saturday. Well, I know on on Friday, Pete, we are uh, we are televising both the Pimlico Special and the Black Eyed Susan, those two races. And then on Saturday, we come on the air at four p.m. Eastern time on NBC, and we'll have four undercard races. Prior to the Preakness Stakes, those are still TBD, depending on uh, field size and things like that. The draw for those races and the Black Eyed Susan will happen uh, on Monday today when we're taping this. Uh, and by the way, I can't wait to hear what Stephen Christ has to say because he is smarter than me. <laughs> well, you guys do such a great job on NBC. And if they, they should create a Emmy category for best drone shot in sports, oh, I, oh. I think I know what's going to win. Yeah, it was an awesome shot, wasn't it? <laughs> Great stuff, my friend. We'll talk soon. All right, Pete. Take care. Next up on the show, very happy to have back on the In the Money Airwaves, a man who I've spent some time already speaking about this topic with off-air, both now and 15 years ago when there was a similar movement afoot. Very curious to get his thoughts today. You know him from many places, but I'm just going to introduce him as a legendary horse player and uh, student of the game, Eclipse winner. He could go on and on. He's Stephen Christ. How are you, Stephen? Hey, Pete. I'm doing well. Thank you. So when's the first time you ever heard anybody talk about this topic of possibly extending the Triple Crown? Well, you know, this is kind of reminding me of a, a zombie movie where where you think you've put down the zombies, but no, they, they come back yet again. Uh, the idea obviously began to take hold uh, during the long gap between affirmed and American Pharaoh, 37 years without a triple crown winner. And uh, rather than attributing it to, to randomness, which I think it largely was, people thought there had to be something terribly wrong with the triple crown series for us to have gone so long without having one. And I think that there, they got very close to making a change uh, in the early 2010s. Uh, I remember uh, Stuart Janney of Naira telling the New York Times, oh, yeah, we're going to move it back a week. And then I think we're very close to doing that. And then thankfully, along came American Pharaoh uh, to prove that it was still possible for a horse to win the Triple Crown. And I think that his winning the same Triple Crown that Secretariat in Seattle slew and affirmed it won and then nobody since uh, confirmed to most people uh, that it was good that we didn't change the Triple Crown, that it still remained the same challenge that the great horses, uh, you know, 40 years ago had met and conquered uh, and that it could be done again. And in fact, it was then done again three years later in 2018. So I thought at that point that we were done with this talk of let's tinker with the Triple Crown and make it a different series than the one that horses have been chasing for the last 50 plus years. Uh, so I'm very disappointed uh, to see that, that this is back as a live issue. Uh, and, you know, to me, there's one question, why? What problem are you trying to solve? There is no problem with the Triple Crown. It's great that nobody won it for 37 years and then that it's been won twice again. I don't see a single reason to change it at this point. I, I understand that NBC is very disappointed that the Derby winner isn't running in the Preakness, and, and they have a very tough race to sell this weekend. And I'm sure that there's a great deal of consternation. But, you know, to me, the proper response is you, you, you know, shrug your shoulders. You say this is only the third Derby winner in, in what is it, 60 years, you know, who's passing the race. It doesn't happen very often. When it does happen, an extra week uh, would not have changed things. It wouldn't have changed things for Gadot del Sol. He wasn't going to run in the Preakness under any circumstances. It wouldn't have changed for Spendabuck. He had a huge pot of money to chase by running in the Jersey Derby. 
And, you know, I hardly think that a week would have brought this horse in. So why would you would change this series, which has been proven over over decades and confirmed twice, uh, you know, in the last decade, that this is the right way to do this thing, that there's value to having the identical historic challenge to bring together the horses of yesteryear and today. Why in the world would you want to change it now? Uh, uh, to me, uh, I just don't see it, and I, I think it would be a terrible thing to to change this series, to diminish the difficulty of the Triple Crown. And, you know, if you want to put together some series of three races that go on Derby Day and then Labor Day and the Belmont and Thanksgiving, uh, you know, that's not the Triple Crown anymore. It's the whole idea is that you have to win the three races in five weeks, not to dumb it down and make it easier. Now, to be fair, let me interject, because I do, I mean, you, you make very compelling points, but I think there's one part of your argument that's a little bit of a straw man argument, which is this idea that the people who are seeking to space this out are necessarily looking to make it easier. In, in, now, I cheated and, and let you hear the, the Randy Moss interview before you came on today, but I thought he made a, a good point that it wouldn't necessarily make it easier, but what he thought it would do, and I guess the simple answer to your why do it is, his belief, and, and you know, I have some sympathy for this point of view, that you'd have a more compelling series of races because you'd have more of the same cast of characters. And I think nothing hooks a human audience like a good equine rivalry and getting familiar with these horses. And so I do get that idea that having them compete, having a, more horses compete in all three legs, I think could be a good thing in terms of trying to market the sport. I don't see that at all. I'm, I, you know, I just don't agree. The the idea that if if Rich Strike were running in the Preakness, that racing would become more popular, uh, I I really just don't see it. I mean, you know, ninety five percent of Derby winners do come back in the Preakness. This is is not some you know issue uh, that's that's hurting the sport. Uh, and, you know, if you're good enough, you can do it. I mean, American Pharaoh and, and Justify proved if you're good enough, you can win those three races in five weeks. So, you know, you can argue whether it would be tougher versus easier. But the point to me is it would be different. And why do you want to make it different? What problem are you trying to solve? I don't see a problem with the Triple Crown. Uh, I guess others do. When I wrote an article along these lines in that I think it was two waves of this argument ago in your old newspaper, the New York Times. I remember you saying very specifically to me when we talked about it after the fact, that, and, and this is still an argument that, you know, again, I, I guess, I mean, I just have to admit it. At this point, I'm super agnostic on this issue. I really do see arguments for and against. But the thing that you said then that resonated with me the most was this is one of the things in racing that works. So why do we want to mess with it? Do you still see it that way as well? I mean, do you think we're, it's actually quite risky to make a change? I think I think it is. Uh, and I think that you need to have a compelling reason if you're going to make a change. And the idea that, well, Zandon might have run in the Preakness, you know, if he'd had a, another month, uh, is not a compelling enough change, uh, you know, reason to, to change this one thing in racing that works very, very well. Uh, I, I just don't see the, the motivation for, for messing with something uh, that has proven over decades and decades and decades uh, to be a worthwhile and unique challenge. And in that sense, it feels like to you, there is some magic to the, the five weeks. Obviously, throughout the series history, it's been changed. So obviously, there's been uh, consistency throughout the last uh, half century or so. Yeah, and I, I think that that half century is uh, is very much worth keeping. I mean, don't you want, if a horse wins the Triple Crown, to be able to say, wow, he did what Secretariat and Affirmed and Seattle Slew and American Pharaoh and Justify did not. Well, they changed the series a little bit, uh, so you got to put an asterisk next to our next Triple Crown winner. I, I mean, why would you want to do that? What are you accomplishing other than diminishing the achievement of the next triple crown winner because he didn't do the same thing uh that all the ones you know since 1950 have done uh i i just don't see a reason to make the change it does work well 
what are we trying to accomplish here? The other thing that Randy said that I thought I, you know, made me look at it a little bit differently is with horses and the way they're trained so differently than even 30 years ago, the idea that uh, uh, a firm dally dar or, or Sunday silence easy goer, the idea that the horse that was second in the Derby would almost reflexively pass the Preakness today and, and you know, thus depriving us of, of the kind of rivalry that along with equine characters, equine rivalries, I really think does help fuel the sport from a marketing perspective. Does that, obviously it doesn't land with you enough to move the needle, but does that argument land with you at all? No, because I think that horses like Easy Goer and Bet Twice absolutely would have run back in, in the Preakness, even if it were today. Um, you know, I mean, der Derby winners do incredibly well in the Preakness. Yeah. Uh, you know, for people to go, oh, it's only two weeks. Gee, that, that's not fair to the poor horsies. I mean, of course it's fair. They do it. They win the Preakness most of the time. Uh, Derby winners do extremely well in the Preakness. You know, again, it's a an unwanted solution to a non-existent problem. Where is the problem that you're trying to solve by mucking with this thing? Uh, I, I would just leave it alone. It's held up very, very well. I'll only push back on the idea of I feel like the difference between Shug McGahee 1989 and Shug McGahee 2022, the way that the world has changed, I have total sympathy for the idea. I agree with you. If they had just run, even today, if they just run the horse back in two weeks, a horse is going to do well. The horse is going to do better than it seems like a lot of horsemen think they're going to do. I totally buy that. But I think that the culture is such now, he would have waited for Belmont. You don't think, you really don't think so? No, I personally don't think so in those cases. I mean, when people think they have the better horse and they have the best horse in the country and they want to prove it, they, you know, they're, they're going to come back. Uh, in that race. So I think these great rivalries, uh, which, you know, have endured, uh, will continue to do so. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, also, I'm not terribly quick to embrace the idea that because, uh, you know, the owners of the most valuable horses and stallion prospect now manage through risk management rather than sport. I mean, the reason that horses, you know, run less than they used to is not because everyone said, oh, this is much better for the sport. It's been bad for the sport, in fact, uh, you know, and that they're protecting the value of their horses and they've done financial analyses that show, you know, it's more fiscally prudent to run a horse four or five times a year than nine or ten times a year. Not that the breed has physically weakened, not that horses can't run perfectly well when they come back in two weeks. So, you know, I, I don't think that we should be endorsing and promulgating this idea of horses can't run twice in the same month ever again. I mean, I, I'm, I'm deep sympathy for that idea. And I wish, you know, I don't know what needs to be done to change that. If there's a financial incentive or, or some way to, to try to overcome what seems to be a, a bias that I agree with you is an, is, is an incorrect bias about a horse's inability to come back fast. I mean, we see it, uh, you know, and I'll tell you what, this is something I hadn't even thought about, Steve, but in a no, in a no Lasix world, it makes all the more sense to be able to run them back quickly. I've spoken to a lot of horsemen that say that Lasix is something that at the stakes level, especially that might flatten a horse out and make them need more time between races. But with that out of the equation, I wonder, I wonder if there isn't a change to be made that doesn't change the triple crown series, but changes the financial incentives for people to actually run their horses in the races. I mean, I do like well, I, the you idea. Know, I, yeah. I think that's a very interesting point, Pete, because, you know, I, if I were the Stronach organization, I mean, I would take all the money that they are wasting on these insane purses for the Pegasus and, and the, Peg the Pegasus turf or whatever they're calling it, a completely unnecessary, you know, multi-million dollar grass race in January where they'd get the same field for 400000 you know, as they do for several million. Mom, make the Preakness worth $3 million instead of one and a half. You'll, you'll get some, some more of those third and fourth place finishers running back for three million dollar purse it's interesting very interesting uh ideas it's been so fun kicking this around with you with you and jk and randy moss now as i mentioned i had played for you the randy the, the randy piece was curious if there was anything else that you specifically wanted to to rebut or comment on from that and then i am gonna uh, make you talk about this year's preakness for a minute if you don't mind 
<laughs> no, that, that's just fine. No, I really don't have anything else. I mean, you know, Randy's one of the smartest guys in racing, and I hate to, you know, disagree so strongly with him about something, but uh, you know, I I just don't agree with him. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've known Randy forever, and he's a very smart guy. I've known Randy since he had hair. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Well, we want commenters to get involved on youtube especially i think is a good place for this conversation let us know out there if you're listening to the pod hop over to youtube leave a comment let us know what you think are, are there other solutions we're not thinking about whose points of view which points of view that you're hearing on this show resonate with you and, and what do you think should happen it's always great to get that uh, perspective from the listeners when it comes to this and the viewers when it comes to these key racing issues let's talk about this year's race w what do you think is going to happen is it uh, is this a, a penalty kick for epicenter, or is it more complicated than that? I, I, I think it may be that straightforward. I mean, obviously, anything can happen once they open the gates, and, and these three-year-olds can suddenly, you know, jump up five-plus lengths uh, out of nowhere in the spring of their three-year-old years. But on, on paper, uh, you know, epicenter just looks dominant to me in this race. I mean, I think he's a little better than these horses. He's just a, a faster horse. Uh, then his competition on Saturday, I think the race sets up perfectly for him. Uh, it's a race that, to my mind, sets up well for a tactical horse, uh, you know, who can sit behind some of the, the brazen speed, uh, but be right there depending on how the pace develops. Uh, and he's just faster than the closers who are then going to come after him in the stretch. Uh, I, I think he may well go off at less than six to five. Uh, the, the more that I look at the race on paper, I mean, the more it looks like it's his race to lose. It's so early in the week. This is kind of an unfair question. But have you given any thought to a betting approach in this race, whether it be in uh, the horizontal pools for which you're known for betting or the verticals? Uh, no, I, I I really haven't. I, I mean, uh, if I were you know playing tries in the race or something like that, I'd I'd try to to wake up a horse like Creative Minister or Skippy Longstocking to maybe get up at the end. I'm not convinced that early voting, you know, is going to get the trip. Uh, I mean, they did they didn't run him in the Derby because of that concern. He did get caught by Mo Donegal going a mile and an eighth and. You know, we saw where Mo Donegal ended up in the Derby. So I, you know, I, I don't see him wiring the field on a, on a soft pace with, you know, a horse like Fenwick in there and, you know, maybe even a creative minister, you know, pushing the pace a little bit. Um, so I, I, I think you could get the second and third choices, you know, out of the second spot. I don't think early voting or secret oath have to be second. Uh, but I, I, I feel more strongly about epicenter than I do about the second and third choices. Stephen, thank you so much for your time today. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Always enjoy it. Thank you, Pete. Thanks once again to Stephen Christ. We'll thank Randy Moss and JK as well. Our founding partners, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation and 10 Strike Racing. Looking forward to seeing that crew down at the Preakness this weekend. Lots of Team 10 Strike going to be in attendance. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you, the listeners and viewers, for making these shows so much fun to do. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. <laughs>